Broken Worlds, Exalted, Skeleton Keys. Uh, I guess episode one. I am Devin, the referee, and to my left we have X playing Y. Nicole playing Tepid Burrell. And Kevin playing Poison Orchid, Grows from Salted Earth. Perfect. So, gang, here we are at the first session. What do we want to establish uh, kind of going forward? The game is very much more reactive on your guys' behalf, so your kind of motivations and goals will move this right along. What do you mean, I don't know what you mean by establish before um, we started? What you guys want to be doing, um, what kind of you know objectives you might have in mind in the short term, because uh, we kind of know your long-term stuff, your general wellness for your various, you know, undertakings you're doing. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I think we've decided that we're going to be investigating and trying to solve the Hungry Ronin problem. Yeah. There's been attacks on uh, traders trying to uh, move through Ten Gods Mountain and other um, travelers. All right. Yeah, it's kind of a blockade they've set up. Yeah. Yes, uh, the Hungry Ronin are a gang of mercenaries who are cut off from their homeland, who harass and prey on people coming to t coming and leaving Ten Gods Mountain to the other paradises and places of commerce uh, and looting them for goods. You guys are, well, not you guys, but the people who live in Ten Gods Mountain and the Underworld are ghosts, so... It's not like they're really looking for nourishment or sustenance. They're not going to starve. But the, the supplies are much more valuable then, since they're not like basics. Comforts and luxuries that you kind of need to avoid turning into a specter over time, I guess? You don't need comfort and luxury to avoid turning into a specter, but it when helps. you're dead and, you know, you don't you have a hard time feeling things anymore, hmm. and, you know, being dead isn't fun. Being dead isn't pleasant. And these little mercies that uh, people can kind of pick up through trade and stuff, uh, losing out on them is kind of horrible. So you know, it's kind of like that. Um, mm -hmm. There are there are there is like you know, food and wine and goods and services that do make it down here, either from other worlds or made by people who have kind of the, the means to turn parts of the underworld or memories or emotions into sustenance. So. You know, there's food, but it's all luxury. It's all about changing your state of mind. Mm. Easing the discomfort of being dead. But I have access to food, right? Because I actually do need to eat. <laughs> I assume. Uh, yeah, nothing grows <laughs> down here. <laughs> Presumably you have access to food. Okay. There's a lot of people around. Because <laughs> this makes it a more urgent thing for me to solve this. If um... I, uh, I actually forgot that you were... Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I need to eat. Well, Presum people, presumably there are <laughs> orchards and whatnot down here that people cultivate that you have access to through your uh, grandmother. Okay, and my, yourself. My, my character grows shit because you know he's all about planting things. Apples Nothing really in the underworld down. aren't the best; they're very bitter. Yeah. <laughs> so, moving right along, uh, we were talking about the hungry Ronin. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, the outskirts of Ten God Mount of Ten God Mountain are uh, cliff facing. 
the, the city itself is built into a large uh, lone peak uh, that had a very um, severe slope to it and actually like like overhangs just a bit over uh, an ocean. And the mountain itself is snow-capped, but people came in and drilled into it and carved away and quarried it and it built a city kind of on its spine. And down away from the city itself, near the, uh, the kind of base, it bleeds off into forests and river and uh, rivers and uh, waterways and roads that head to other afterlives. Uh, there is no light in the underworld. It's uh, it's not completely dark either. It's almost a twilight, um, but it, it edges much closer to it being nighttime than it does to daytime. Mm-hmm. Um, it's raining. When you kind of get to the outskirts of Ten Gods Mountain, kind of an ever-present downpour that creates these rivers and uh, washed-away uh, banks and sluices that are just kind of pouring over everything. Uh, the underworld, when you're not near your uh, afterlife, is very much an <clears throat> ever-shifting rainstorm. A tempest, if you will. And yeah, there are some roads constructed of quarried and uh, taken care of stone that survive against the, the battering rain. There are bridges, there are safe houses, there are signs and markers laid out for people to follow, uh, lanterns that are relit whenever they go out, and a waterlogged forest. You can kind of just see kind of all around. They always have kind of like ankle or knee deep kind of uh, Whatever the, the sort of gauzy material that rains down from the skies above logging them. I'm picturing more like a Louisiana forest than a forest. forest. It's a little like that. It is a little swampy, but it's more just like, you know, imagine like a Canadian, like, like dense coniferous forest, but it's it always has a kind of s- snowy, almost sludge going through it. Hmm. It's very cold. There's a lot of, like, natural wealth down here. Yeah. Uh, Ten Gods Mountain, the traders and whatnot, they come down on steps carved from the mountain that are very, like, um, very worn down, have to be kept up every couple of years. People have to do work to, you know, get them. You know how you'll see, like, um, towers or castles that have staircases that are walked every day and they'll eventually, like, bend in the middle because they're worn away? It's that kind of design. Like, like very well-used stonework constantly because people are always coming in and out of the city. Hmm. And there's no real day-night cycle, so it's not like there's ever a, a lull. Um, so yeah, why don't we describe your characters as they look right now, what they got with them uh, to the listeners as you head down from the gates to the, the steps. All right, I'll go first. My character is, of course, swathed in his usual red robes, uh, kind of wispy white hair hanging out over his face. He has some of his taller um, members of his entourage holding paper umbrellas over him. He has to slouch to actually fit under them. But Your character's very tall and lanky. Ad- abnormally tall. It's yeah. No one ever sees what he looks like under the robes, but it's clearly not human proportions. Yeah, he's just kind of following the road like that not wearing anything really special all right and you got your entourage with you of course mm-hmm. they all have umbrellas at the very least do you have like a mode of dress or identifier that like binds the guilt the gang together 
Uh, it's usually funeral wear, like the kinds of things you would actually wear to a funeral, and something red, like a, a banner or a standard. All right, so they have different funeral guards from different cultures they came from. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's it's actually, you know, that, that fits pretty well. Yeah, yeah, usually it's very long and elaborate, like, especially over time as, you know, they make money and so look good, basically. Mm -hmm. So a procession. Yeah, a very much like a funeral procession. Mm -hmm. And yourself? Uh, I'm wearing my like blue. They're not. You know those pants that look like a dress when you're not walking. Yes. I mean that's basically what she wears usually. Uh, barefoot as always. Uh, she also would have an umbrella because rain. She probably carries that all the time because rain all the time. The umbrella trade is <coughs> very robust and has its own sort of intricate fashion cultures in Ten God Mountain. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, like status and like communication that's done with them by the way people carry them, the way they're decorated, the way they're kind of shaken and stuff. It's a whole little microcosm. Neat. Um, yeah, just her standard gear. You know, she's wearing her cloak because they're outside, so it's put up and everything because it's raining. What is your guys' plan for dealing with um, bandits, as it were? Do you have any information about where they might be, or are you going to kind of hope for the best? Probably reports from people who survived the raiding attempts, which... Are they killing people for the most part, or are they just... They try... They... Can you kill a ghost? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. They're just people. You just, like, cut their head off and, like, kill them, and they're dead. Huh. And they're done. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe not all the time, because it doesn't pattern quite to being alive, but you could just violence someone away. Huh. Okay. Um, so what? You got this info from just interviewing victims? Uh, victims, uh, store owners who have had to deal with, you know, their wares not coming in. Makes sense. Yeah. I'm sure that this hasn't been enjoyed by the exchange consulate. Nobody likes bandits. <laughs> Nobody likes them at all. All right. Plus they're living people, aren't they? The bandits? No. They're ghosts. Oh, I thought they came from another... They came from another after. Oh, okay. okay. I was under the impression they were alive as well. No, they're, they're ghosts. <laughs> they don't need the things they're taking to live. Oh. They just... They're, ta they're, they're mercenaries that can't get paid anymore and can't go home. Yeah, I totally thought that they were living people. Well, the more you know. Assume <laughs> that they're ghosts. Unless I say otherwise, they're dead. Okay. The, the, the people here are totally dead. Hmm. Alright, I'm just gonna... Alright. I think, just from what you guys are doing, this might be a gather power roll. Gather power? Yep, so you roll plus your heat. Cool. Um, maybe we'll do one. Just to, just to start, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap up from there. We're, we're learning the system for the first time as we go, listeners, so... We're gonna do baby steps. Maybe we won't do everything exactly how it should be done, but little steps along the way. I have plus two to heat, so. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's an age rule, but we'll take a look at that later. Three, four, five, six, seven. All right. So you got a seven to nine, which means you can gain interest. You can gain the support of an individual or power group interested in your cause. They might be influential or powerful. They will offer you only one of the following. Information, support, safety, or supplies. But not necessarily without a price. Information. It's one of the options that's just in the list here I saw for uh, what we could be doing. Mm-hmm. All right, and I'm just. Gonna... All right, we're back. So, 
just going back, we did a query, we did a um, gather power roll. You got a seven to nine, which allowed you to get information from the local populace. Hmm. So, um, reaching out to the people who've been kind of picked on and uh, waylaid by these very standard bandits, uh, you are able to get in touch with uh, a kind of small trade organization that's just starting out here that was hit kind of the hardest hmm. and most recent. The Copper Monopede Tradesman. If anyone wants to take notes. <laughs> anyone at all. They have a uh, sort of what do you call it? The sort of half-tube ceramic roof-tiled kind of buildings that are almost pentagonal and curve upwards. Mm-hmm. It's like a Japanese design almost. It's a small kind of uh, warehouse like that. It could maybe fit 30, 40 people in it. It's uh, half sunk into the uh, always kind of uh, eroding and reclaiming stonework of the city that they always kind of have to like put supports under and shimmy them up and then build under again. Uh, but yes, there is a spook, Copper Mina, and she is basically tending to the warehouse when you guys drop on by. Uh, a ghost. It's, also, it's also a term for, like, spy or something? So You've thrown like, a lot of terminology at you. <laughs> <laughs> Copper Mina uh, looks like she could be Lukshine, uh, just... I guess you're from the realm, so that would kind of stand out to you. Mm-hmm. She has that kind of uh, facial expression and build to her. Looks like she might be in her late 30s, early 40s. Um, wearing kind of work person, like overalls and gear. Someone that uh, works with metal and uh, grease a lot. Hmm. Yeah, she's under the awning uh, going over paperwork uh, with, uh, with a quill and pen. Okay. Calligraphy style, like doing like a calligraphy kind of work on scrolls. You are Coppermina. She kind of looks down and away from you when you approach. It's like, yes, my lord. You were re- recently waylaid by the uh, the bandits surrounding our city. Yes, the Ronin. Yes. They stole our monopede supply. Your monopede supply? We had parts and uh, frames for them being brought in. Special order from the Iron Hells. At no considerable cost. Would we know what those are at all? A monopede is a bicycle. Oh. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Fuck you. It's the word for them. It's the word. What's not? It really is. I'm not making this up. Pete means legs. It'd be a pogo stick if anything. Or a unicycle. But no, a pogo stick says one leg. It's what it means. (laughs) Orkin has brought um, several of his grunts. One is holding a large map. Um, The other two are kind of polishing that enormous cistern he brings with him everywhere. It's probably too heavy for a normal person to hold. The, the jug? The jug, yeah. <laughs> she, uh, she she makes a sort of... Um, I don't know what kind of cultural sign the, the Immaculate Order that Lukshai 
has, but she makes a sort of superstitious sign over her uh, over herself and uh, invites you in. <laughs> she opens the door and she actually, um, like, built into the, the woodwork of the house, there's a bar just under the door and she kind of pulls that up. It's made out of wrought creation-based cold iron, it looks like. Like, it's pitted and rusted and uh, it's covered in salt. <laughs> Was this supposed to have kept him out? Yeah, he's an abyssal. He's a he's a he's a vampire. <laughs> I'm not even making that up. Abyssals gain power by drinking people's essence. Would it actually have kept him out? Oh God, no. Okay, so I'm like what? <laughs> he knows what this is, though. He just kind of stares at it a bit before kind of stepping over. <laughs> That's amazing. We have brought a map of the surrounding area. If you could mar mark where you were waylaid, we may be able to track them from there. Yes, my lord, of course. She uh, gets kind of like a stamp out and kind of starts looking at it because it's hard to understand. Like, she has to get a frame of reference because looking at maps when you don't look at maps all the time is tricky. Mm. Like, we have Google Maps and have had it for decades, so it's a little easier. <laughs> uh, yeah, she works with the map holder and uh, figures it out. I would be... I would consider it a, a personal favor if you were to be able, be able to reclaim the parts stolen. Uh, Ronin would no doubt turn them into bludgeons and spears, but in my hands they are quite a cultural artifact. Is she actually the boss of this place? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we could certainly use more culture around here. She, uh, she goes into the back and uh, brings out a small bottle of uh, sake. It looks like it was, it looks like it's looks shine actually. It has like the marking on it. It sort of just lays out a, a saucer on a table for you. Hmm. Culture, it's like root refuse a drink, isn't it? She's appeasing you. You're, mm. uh, you're the, you're a dark messiah of the dead. You speak, you're a speaker for the dead. You're, you're her champion. <laughs> Cups it in one of those long, big hands and takes a, a single sip. I'm trying to decide how mercenary I am. Yeah. Shake her down. I'm like, she's like, oh, I'd consider it a personal favor. It's like, how much is that worth to you? But it's also like, well, we're gonna do this anyways, so. I mean, if we do, if we could do it anyways, and just not bring the bikes back, though we wouldn't know how to put them together. Yeah. <laughs> Tricky business. Plus, curing favor with different people is always also worth something. Hmm. I think the way the fiction turns out based on your gather power rule, it's, it's a little more permissible to make an even exchange. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Right. Yeah, she entertains you guys here until you're, uh, until you guys have decided what your next plan is. Hmm. Yeah, there's this this warehouse has uh, standing racks of like uh, 
oak with like nails uh, that have been nailed into them. And they hold like wheels and frames and handlebars and um, some of them have like small almost chapel-like bells built into the handlebars. Like this whole arrangement where a hammer would strike it. Huh. Yeah. Let people know you're coming. Yeah, or just, you know, make music as you're going. Cute. Like an assembly of them, like four or five across, ten deep, would just be like making like church bell music as they ride. Okay. Yeah, once they've marked where it is, I think we'll be good to actually try to seek them out. Alright, you know exactly where they are, um, like where they were waylaid, and it was pretty close to... Like, she was able to figure out that this they, they had stumbled onto kind of one of their bolt holes. Hmm. And yeah, down the mountain steps, uh, past the gate, and from the position you look at, it's by a small sort of like mini summit, uh, right before you get into the, the, the waterlands proper. Hmm. A well-explored area or well-traveled or probably not anymore if there's a bolt hole there. Yeah, it's it's not that well-traveled. Looks like it was um, disused in favor of other more efficient routes. Uh, it used to connect to other heavens that just aren't there anymore. Hmm. Because everything shifted around. So everything's... Exactly. The, the turmoil of the Tempest. The, the storm wall that separates the quick from the, the quick from the deadlands tends to reshape those that geography. So just to clarify, when you're saying heavens, you're talking about other afterlives. Yep, okay. we're talking about the underworld. Okay, just wanted to clarify. There, there are small. Heaven is something else in yep. Exalted. So this is kind of what's called me in Exalted too, because like the, the there's different pockets of afterlives where people end up going to. It's all contextual. Some of them are just heavens. They're afterlives. They're nice. Some of them are not. <laughs> What's the plan? Are we planning on wiping them out? I suppose if we cannot come to an accord, that would be for the best. They certainly did not listen to the reason of uh, those traveling past them. Fair. But if we kill a choice few, the others may simply flee. Although where would they flee to? Away. We wouldn't want them joining other factions that are causing trouble for us, though. Do you suggest we simply wipe out all those we uh, encounter? It may be the best option. Um, if we... All they want is to leave, but if we don't have a way for that to be an option for them... Is there a way that will recruit them, but hmm. I'm not sure how willing they'd be. If you could, then, I mean, that's a win-win all around. Indeed. Is there a way to send people away to, like, other places, or is, this, or is are we relatively cut off right now? Mm, you need access to someone who can navigate the Shadowlands. A lot of people, uh, a lot of the more weird and obscure occultists, or like exalts even, would uh, buy way through the labyrinth. Mm. They would, uh, some ghosts have access to a, a ghost power or an arkanoid called um, Argos, which allows them to uh, fly on wings of gauze and navigate the, the stormwall to other realms. 
hmm. inside the underworld. Yeah, I don't really have any intention of leaving through the labyrinth to another place. So, if you could find yourself a uh, ferryman, they'd be able to take him out of here hmm. for the right price. Which they would probably be willing to pay just to get out of here. That is an option, seeking a ferryman. And then we would also, in payment, keep what they have stolen. They get to go home. They abandon all they've stolen here. Seems like an equitable solution. We'll have to find um, their leader. Presumably they have one, if they're a... It's fairly public record who ran the Hungry Ronin, because they were a mercenary company for the city before they got cut off and went nuts. Mm -hmm. uh, the leader of the Hungry Ronin was Fat Jiro. What do we know about him? He ran the mercenary company. Uh, he was a he. He uh, was pretty unremarkable, actually. This is actually kind of shocking that they went so bad. <laughs> um... But yeah, now that they're cut off and now that they have to raid to do to you know make a living, mm -hmm. um, it's probably him still running the operation. Okay. I guess our I guess our next uh, option would be to find a ferryman before we actually go and make dealings with the. Uh... Sure. And to clarify, a ferryman is that just a person we're trying to find, or is that like? Ravenloft style ghosts in the mist we have to find. Ferryman is a type of uh, is a type of wraith or specter or wraith or spook that has Argos. They're able to <coughs> okay. use they, they have charms and this is like in lore. They have charms and abilities to navigate the storm wall. Okay, yeah. Like I heard you talk about that before, but I didn't know if we're just trying to find a ghost who has that or if like Ferryman is a capitalized thing. <laughs> no no. Alright. And more health in, in cities that, um, in some cities you'll actually find they have entire guilds, but finding one in Ten Gods Mountain might be tricky. Okay, what was that ability you reached the stars or... Query the Cosmos? Yeah. So Query the Cosmos, uh, for listeners and for you, Kevin, comes in two flavors. Uh, there is one for... Um, meditating on, like, communing with powers, and, like, communing with, like, the, the sort of chi or... I, I hate using words like chi or whatever because it sounds like I'm just throwing Asian word over top of it, but it's, like, it's kind of cosmic understanding, you know, zen, zoning out. Possibly when he does it, it's... The whispers of the Neverborn. Yeah. yeah, that's perfect. That's exactly what I was going to suggest, actually. <laughs> uh, the other flavor of it is knowledge, where you just consult your own information in your head. So it depends on what you prefer. If you would want to uh, meditate and kind of do the more spiritual thing, or if you'd want to kind of think back on what you might know. Meditation. All right. So, um, yeah, you guys can kind of just stay here and meditate for an hour. Um, I'd actually like to go back to my hangout or hideout. Sure. Uh, there's kind of a garden in the center full of you know dead flowers and the like. Kind of a very petrified, very time stands still sort of garden very zen all right well let's just all right so you're in your garden yeah it's very it's 
pretty much like a black and white photograph. It's everything's gray. The only thing that isn't is are the red robes. There's bells hung up and chimes hung up from trees that kind of just sway, make music. And he just meditates there for an hour. All right. So you're going to query the cosmos with meditation. Please plus <coughs> mind. unclear or simply an impression so you are reaching out with meditation to a greater power than yourself who or what are you reaching out to the uh fuck are they called in the labyrinth the neverborn the neverborn so you open up your chakras and your mind and your essence to the the influence and the ever-present whispers of the dead titans at the heart of the world uh and what are you asking them what do you want from them I seek an entity that can uh, bring a person from one heaven to the other. I see. All right. All right. Give me a moment. I gotta whip something up that's cryptic. Now we're back. So you're listening to the rasping, whispering, uh, psycho-hallucinatory effect of the Neverborn as they it kind of peels into the inside of your mind. Um, and you're looking for a way to get rid of these hungry ronin to just move them out of here back to where they came from. Mm -hmm. You hear a voice. Uh, it sounds a lot like your own voice doubled back on itself. Under a red sky, the blackbird nests with dead eyes, heedless of the laws. Can you repeat that? <laughs> I'll, I'll text it. Okay. That's for the best. Yes. <laughs> I'll text it. And uh, that's what you get. Excellent. Okay, I write that down somewhere or have one of my gang members do it since I never take my hands off that fucking uh, jug. And... <laughs> Alright. I'd also like to roll knowledge. <laughs> you may do that. Right, because I rolled and I got an 8 as well. So you're just consulting your own formation based off of this? Yeah. Alright. Oh boy. <laughs> that cracked really badly. Right? Where right. do my jaw? Okay. I don't know how to make this information not directly useful because this is just, it's a lot to deal with just right off the bat. It's hard to warm up a game. <laughs> but the skies above the, uh, the heretical monastery of the rule are always red, like blood red. Okay. And Blackbird nest with dead eyes, heedless of the laws, makes it sound like there's a ghost squatting here illegally. <laughs> Law was a different word for rule. Yeah. That's all I had. <laughs> well, we know where to start looking. Hmm. And 
where is this again? That we're... In the city of Ten Gods Mountain, there is a monastery of a forbidden god that was purged 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually a nice uh, eastern shrine campus, like a, nice, a very big kind of beloved place where monks and aesthetics would hang out. And uh, in the east, of course, it's very tumultuous with the weather and the, the, the sort of rapid wood aspect of the direction. Uh, monsoon season hit and flooded it away and ended up down here. And uh, a bunch of, a cult of the rich came here and started worshipping uh, some sort of thing that would make their, uh, that, that would that would let their wealth buy back their lives. And then um, the, the Wild Hunt, a group of immaculate monks gathered together here in the underworld. They were all dead, of course and purged it for its many, many heresies. They purged it so sufficiently and cleansed it so spiritually the best they could that it's still on fire now. <laughs> Jesus. And not not like the, the, the blue pyre flame of the ghost lands. It's on red fire. Let's make for quite the sight. Oh, that's why the sky's red all the time. Okay. Suppose we're headed there then. The heretic, the heretic monastery of the Rule. All right, let me. All right, we're back. So the two of you and your accompanying entourage head to one of the directions of Ten Gods Mountain. It's a very large city. There's a lot of different areas and that are eclectic and don't really match up. And one of them is a micro-summit of the mountain. And on that summit is a campus where Eastern monks and aesthetics used to congregate and uh, devote their lives to, you know, personal spiritual cleansing until it was wiped out by a monsoon. Then, oh wait, did I already say this when we were recording? I don't know. Shoot, I'm sorry listeners, I might be repeating myself. Um, and then once it came down here to the underworld, uh, because it was beloved enough to have its own echo, uh, a cult of the rich set up here started worshipping a god banished from heaven that would grant them, uh, grant, make their wealth matter to take, give back what wealth can't give back. Which, of course, can't happen, so it's all the big folly. That place is on fire now. As you approach the campus, um, there are like winding, uh, carved like ivory and um, opalescent steps going up. Opalescent mean that like has a rainbow shimmer to it. Um, and yeah, there's like forestry all around you that's aflame, like red, bright, orange fire. The air is uh, instead of rain, the air here, the air here changes and is full of cinder and ash floating on thermals. Um, there are beams of like strong ash wood, like 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 ash tree, and like you know the, the sort of like, like a Shinto shrine almost. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's covered with like burning paper that never really goes all the way. Charms everywhere, like like little rectangular uh, sutra paper. Uh, buildings that have their roofs collapsed in buildings that have been like blown open from the inside, and just roaring fire all around you and wailing 
the wailing of maybe I don't know, a few hundred different things in here, just milling about. <laughs> it's kind of like it, it's stuck mid uh, purging. Yeah. Yeah, this is the most significant thing that'll ever have happened to it. Hmm. Nobody lives up here, I assume. Or things live in here. Hmm. But it's, uh, they don't really go down the mountain. Nobody normal lives up here. Yeah. People in Ten Gods Mountain don't come here. <laughs> yeah, you guys are in the middle of a conflagration. No sane ghost or spirit would linger up here for long. No sane ones do. None that I would trust to take a group of men where they need to go. Well, there may be something here that could help us. Can't hurt to look around. Hmm. <laughs> be a nice way to cap out the session. Where's like a central area to this? I guess we are kind of in the central area, but it's like at the, the, the beginning to it. Okay. Uh, you go further in this rest of the campus. Well, you were, you were from the east, mm -hmm. and this is from the east, so it's probably architecture that you would recognize, unless it's like super way older than you, I guess. But like, you can probably get like a general idea from the layout where the main worship chamber would be at least, or like the courtyard. Yeah, yeah, simple enough. You probably went to a, uh, an academy, so... Yeah. Just from the layout of the buildings and the kind of shape of it, you can kind of figure out where the sort of... Uh, there would have been a garden of sorts, because this was an eastern shrine, so there would have been a place that would have had, like, um, trees or a lake or a pond, something that would have been very uh, very zen, very aligning the different geomancy of the area mm -hmm. and worshipping around. This place, you think, just from your exposure to it, it might have been a manse when it was alive. Interesting. Well, then. The nature of a manse wouldn't remain down here? Like, it wouldn't... It could echo it in some ways, but you're both exalted, so you'd have a better sense of it. This place could it could be like an underworld manse. Well, going to a manse means you can control the area around it, right? Generally? You could attune to it. You could, like, it could be, a, it could be an underworld domain. It could be a wellspring of underworld essence. If we attune to it, we could probably fix this area, purify it. That would require uh, resting control of it from whoever might currently be in charge, or at least taming those aspects of it under your uh, banner. Yes. Okay. Also, can I attune to things like that? Yeah. Okay. You're exalted. I, mm -hmm. I didn't know how that worked. If it like Dragonblood could even do it. Or yeah, like, you totally can. If it's the underworld, so it has to be an underworld dude. It'd be really <laughs> silly if they couldn't attune to stuff. That yeah, that like... sounds like two second edition bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess we know where we're headed. Yes, yes. Even if um, it doesn't get us what we originally wanted, that's a good thing to have. Hmm. <laughs> we'll remain vigilant. There's movement. Um, like, as you guys are moving through on the periphery, you see people walking and, like, not walking, more shambling, like, uh, like hungry ghosts. Hungry ghosts are different from the living people you're used to, or living, quote-unquote, the thinking people are used to. The hungry ghost is usually the uh, the animal's soul run amok. Mm. So you see like people shambling about in like monk robes or people wearing like jewelry and they're like 
their 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 skin, quote unquote, has burned off, revealing skeleton underneath that has like spikes or, or curling horns coming out of it, and they're all still on fire. Strike them down only if they come too close. You got it, boss. I'm going to. Is fire everywhere? Yes, fire is everywhere. Is there anywhere that's like dark enough for me to fade? Oh god, actually no. Yeah, because we're in the middle of fire everywhere. What about inside my cloak? <laughs> I guess. But... Would that work? Yeah, I... but then he should be invisible inside your cloak. That's true. <laughs> you can sit there. Oh, like... you can't teleport. Sure. No. Like I kind of can. But <laughs> it requires rolls and stuff, I think. <laughs> the as you get further in, the wood of the buildings and like the, the arches that are here are um <laughs> Sorry, I just seen this picture you like, like smuggling me in oh under your God. coat like a full grown person, just like <laughs> But like the, the, the actual wood itself seems to be like um, impregnated with minerals. There's like bits of iron or sometimes like rough-hewn silver kind of just sticking out of the wood like it's so it's petrified mm. and gone to rock. Uh, different parts of the buildings that have like collapsed down on themselves, the wood has splintered out and become bone fragments. The, the ground isn't made of sand or dirt, it's made of like ashy soot. Mm. Just so affected by the area that is physically changing. Yeah, so it's very... pollution? Yeah, it's very tied into the elements. It's getting very, um, you know, like hot. Like not hot, like heat. Like like it's, it's like when you hit you heat up metal and it starts to glow hot from all the the temperature and energy put into it. Mm-hmm. This place is excited with all the the spiritual energy flowing through it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I am going. Well, it's not like I can. All right. So as you're approaching the main building. There is a large congregation of those burning people. Uh, some of them are kneeling and are like impro- and are like prostrating themselves in front of it. Some of them are like holding their heads, howling and moving around, but they are covering the area. Can you get a better angle? Yeah, they'd be a group. Yeah. Just what they're doing here, though. Well, they're around the area you want to get to. Mm. Out of character, this would be a perfect time for us to kind of get involved into the combat system, test it out a bit, see what it's like. Like, they're not going to be that tough. They're just mooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, in character, or not even in character, it's still a character. I can't, I can't attack you guys. <laughs> the system isn't actually built for me to be like, bandits attack! Whoa. It's more like, I present to you choices... I present you options, and you take the option of how to engage with it. So I can't be like, a mob of them swarms to murder you. It's more like, a mob is here. How do you respond to it? And you guys can be like, yeah, we avoid it, we get around it. Or it's like, reach heaven through violence. You can definitely do so. Um... Yeah, like you guys could easily avoid this and get around it. My suggestion to wrap up the first session would be, let's engage with the combat engine, and, or the, the conflict resolution engine, and you know, see where it takes us. Okay. Yeah. Alright. So, you guys have the quote-unquote initiative, such as it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you two like to do? Or would you like me to pause while you guys check out your moves and your yes, things available to you? Mm-hmm. And I'll do the same. Alright, and that pause.
All right, so, listeners, what we did in the background was we just did a very brief read-through of the combat rules and basically ran each action through uh, with me, Kevin, and Nicole to see what the fight looked like. You just kind of get used to the paradigm. Uh, so, we start with Orchid. Orchid. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Orchid takes out that big jug of his and then holds out his hand underneath and kind of pours a stream of water down into his palm. Which continues to rain down as his uh, men run past him under his hands to get soaked by the water and then run to the crowd of flaming, uh, you know, hungry dead and just start wailing on them with their bats and clubs. Just kind of mowing the down the first line of them. Mm -hmm. And was this one where you got that 12? Yep. So, yeah, um, because your gang uses uh, the same kind of weapons you do, like big, heavy bludgeons, um, you basically start like just swinging these guys away. Like, you're sweeping them with bats and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, which, for the listeners, means uh, Kevin's weapon does armor-piercing, and he is the gang. So the group... Kevin it has the group tag, and the, the mob has the group tag, and they cancel each other out, so... The effects of those don't really matter for this role. Mm -hmm. And because they've been hit with, uh, what's it called? Forceful? Forceful. Mm -hmm. Forceful, you're just knocking them around. And they take armor piercing, which means they just take a damage they can't soak. Yeah, yeah. can't use their armor against it. Alright. And yeah, that was a, that description, listeners, was a reach heaven through violence role. So you're just throwing them around now. Their, their rank, whatever their rank was, is gone. Mm -hmm. Uh... Beryl. Beryl. Um, she also runs into the group, but instead of attacking, uh, she basically jumps up off the first person's head and keeps doing that through the entire group uh, using an agility move. And I got a uh, something that was over 10. I don't remember the exact 10 number. plus. Yeah, 10 plus. Uh, so I'm using my Moth School technique, which means that on 10 plus on an agility move, you give the reeling tag to any enemies you pass through. So yeah, you're kicking them over and knocking them around, and because they're reeling, they can't do deal damage until a few moments have passed and they've gained composure, which yeah. is not going to come because it's a furious fight. <laughs> <laughs> so after I get through to the other side... Your guys keep attacking. They keep attacking. They're not really... They're starting to you know fight back, so they're not quite digging in. Yeah, it gets a little attrition-y, but uh, you two, over the next couple, uh, you know, descriptions and rolls, um, tear through them. Yep. And put them down. It's not quite eventful uh, on the second end. Like, that opening you guys do is amazing, and then it's just gone. Yeah. They can't do that much to you because they're not that strong. You're exalts. Yeah. Pounding their skulls into powder. Exactly. So, yes, the uh, group of ghosts and uh, hungry dead, burning hungry dead, are waylaid by you guys. Uh, their corpuses and gauzy bodies uh, litter the ashy floor of the campus around you. Uh, you know, they're like claws and feet digging into the ground. Um, their bodies kind of laid out over the wood and the kind of stone-worked ground. Hmm. It's like uh, almost like snow angels that have been left around, <laughs> except in ash. Leaving the main building. So, your uh, your guys are cleaning themselves off. People are adjusting their clothes. 
getting kind of, you know, adjusted after a big fight. <laughs> Gather any valuables you might find. Take something nice for yourself. Yeah. They're all, they all kind of like make those same kind of like, yeah. <laughs> they start looting. Looting and taking. Um, yeah, do we want to end it there and see if you can track down the blackbird? Sure. Seems like a good place. All right, that was a nice little quick intro to Broken Worlds for session one. Mm-hmm. And we'll come back uh, next episode with you guys working for the blackbird in the campus of the rule. And then we'll see where we go from there. So, I was Devin. Nicole. Kevin. And this is sponsored by Nobody, signing off.